Time for another Shop Talk Show. This episode is number 292, brought to you in part by One Month. Check them out, learning on the web. Very cool. Thanks for your sponsorship. We're going to talk about some things like, you know, like what is our favorite part of working on the web and in a project? That's kind of a fun question. We're going to cover the deployment thing, go over some different methods and possibilities there as part of some of the questions that you all have sent in. Very nice of you. Thank you. We'll talk about logging and TypeScript a little bit. We're going to talk about, I don't know, coding standards a little bit and just everything in between. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun one. Listen close. Mr. Dave, please kick things off. Everybody, you're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. Uh-oh, what's happening, Chris? Shop Talk Show, na-na-na-na-na, Shop Talk Show, na-na-na-na, it's Shop Talk Show, Shop Talk Show, Shop Talk Show, Shop Talk Show. Hey, Chris, what's happening, dude? I don't know, you got a, is that a uke? I'm sure. That's a ukulele. Uh-huh. And we're just spinning into the holidays. No well, no well. I'm gonna look up Noel JS and see if there is one. No well, it better put snowflakes on my website. It better put snowflakes on my website. It doesn't look good, people. I think you need to get on it. I just kind of assumed that there'd be a what? Framework. Vacant vacant namespace on the internet. <laughs> oh no, there 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 is one. Only six six months old as well. Let's see. Instead of offering a gift to everyone, it's fun to offer some random member of your family or friends. Usually you would just keep sheets of paper in a hat and make them pick one, though distance might be a problem. This script makes it easier to allows you to send emails with a unique choice. That's oh, a node script that you feed. Oh, it's like, like a Secret Santa. Secret Santa oh. generator. Yeah. Noel yeah. JS. Oh, God, I knew it. I'm gonna star I'm gonna be the first person to star this library. Yeah, dude. Done. That's great. Awesome. Oh, Chris, what do we got going on today? We are we are this is the last episode of the season here. Uh, yeah, it is. And we've been doing this for a gosh darn long time. So <laughs> Oh boy. I guess we could but, say we, we should we don't stop sending your questions in. In fact, the well, if it isn't too weird to say, is it's absolutely not dry, but it's as dry as it's been in a long time. We could yeah. use more. Yeah, and at some point we should probably like bankruptcy, <laughs> declare bankruptcy because you know there's Perhaps. like some weird ones. Like, should I use less? You know, and you're like, well, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep it a little cleaner. <laughs> than that, but um, there are ones in here. Like, you should talk about how you. Um, create the podcast. I'm like, well, that's kind of ever changing. And it's been in here for like three years. So I don't think we're going to get to that one. We record ourselves and send it to Chris ends and he (laughs) makes a podcast out of it. He actually has podcasts about making podcasts. So go check out Chris and read that one. He also has a podcast about you. This, this is, you don't know this about Chris. He has a like YouTube podcast, you know, and it's like big deal. He like goes to like YouTube concerts and like does like live podcasts and stuff like that. So if you like YouTube, you should check out Chris and this is at YouTube. Fine use of, of yeah. I just finished. Did you watch Halt and Catch Fire or not? 
Oh, I'm like only, uh, I know I watched season one. Uh, I don't know if I ever got to the end of two. season one. Joe like has like, he like burns that. Uh, this is a little spoilery, I and guess. Like, so yeah. And then goes off and does a spirit quest or whatever. I thought season mm-hmm. one was excellent. I thought all the rest of the seasons were also excellent. And I is just it on three, it just season three. There's four seasons and then it's over forever. That's it. Oh, over for, I uh, see. I love that. I love that a show is like, yeah, we did the story. We're done. <laughs> like, we did it. We did the story. So yeah, and it's a good one. It's just, it just, it got every note right. I think. I mean, it, I loved it, and I don't know why I haven't like picked it back up. I think I, I, it, it's a little dramatic. It's a little heavy. So I think I switched over to like Silicon Valley, which sure. is the ultimate catharsis um, for web technology. Not every show is right at the time. There's a sometimes. I even go back and forth between movies and shows on like a little roller coaster thing. I'm like, oh, I don't have time for for movies. I only watch shows now; they're short. And then I'm like, oh, I I can't watch shows. I need the magistry and cinema of movies. Yeah, no, I I uh, I don't watch a lot of movies. My wife does not really like movies. Um, you can email her uh, just, no. <laughs> but, um, but she, she doesn't like that. It's like a two hour time sink and it's like exists only to like manipulate your emotions. And she's like, why would I do that to myself? So that's a fair point. But then she'll watch like, you know, uh, a bunch of those true crime ones where it's like this woman murdered her husband slowly with poison. And I'm like, honey, is everything okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> Are you planning a, to do a murder on me? I hope not. Part of um, what I get is that is that if you watch a movie and then you like step away for a minute, but you didn't really feel like pausing it because you didn't really care or whatever, then, I don't know. Then eventually the movie's over and you're like, I got nothing out of that because I just didn't. I was zoned out. And you need to like pay attention to movies. Yeah, yeah. You have to be like, you have to be there. You're like, like there. You know what I do like? Um, it's, it's similar related to me, at least. Uh, YouTube's. Uh, I just I posted about this on my blog a couple of weeks back now. Uh, but um, do you know uh, that show Fun Fun Function? We should have oh. that. Uh, uh, it's a, a YouTube show where they teach you JavaScript. Uh, in in uh, Matthias is uh, just this amped up Swede. Um, <laughs> he used to work at Spotify. Um, it's really great. Oh, it's like a YouTube uh, but, channel. Yeah, yeah, but it's like fully caffeinated YouTube channel. And <laughs> like, and uh, I, what's his name? Dan, forget it. Go on. Uh, but it was, uh, oh, Daniel Schiffman. Yeah. 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 That Dan Schiffman's good too. That it's, that's like less caffeine, more just like pure joy, you know, like okay. just, just exuding. Um, but, but it was, it's very similar. Uh, but, when I first started watching like the show like launched, I, I tuned in and I just was like, I'm not having this. Cause I just like, wasn't in the emotional state of the energy of the show. Sure. So it was like, uh, and then, you know, I have people uh, talk about this show to me, you know, people will be like, <laughs> come up. It's usually like, Oh, Dave Rupert from shop talk. And it's like, yeah, cool. You listen. They're like, Oh, I used to. <laughs> and it's like, ah, oh, no, no worries. Um, <laughs> but, but it's the, um, uh, like, you know, you you people go through phases of life where they can match things and then they dip out of things, and that's okay. Like, go go listen to other things, go watch other I would things. Think it would make it really hard to be a movie reviewer. I always I thought about this regularly because it's like, how do you get yourself in the right mental spot? Because if you're like in a smoking good mood, you're like everything's going good for you right now. Then you go see any movie, you're gonna like it. Yeah how how much of like movie reviews or any critic 
critiques are like based on whether or not the person went to the bathroom. And ha- yeah, had you know a what bad I mean? hot like, dog. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you're not going to give like thumbs up to like. But I think they do. I think if you're a professional at doing it, like, you know, like I'd like to think that my, up. yeah, that if I like see some new web framework or something that that by the time I'm writing about it for my website, I've objectively considered it regardless of my bad hot dog. You know? But what if you had seen a hundred bad websites and then somebody's like, Chris, check out my website. And it's kind of got some yeah. of the same tropes as all the bad websites you saw. Would you be conditioned, yep, you know, I or would. could you objectively reset yourself? So I, speaking of YouTubes, I just watched a GDC uh, game developer conference, uh, about how to pitch or what not to do when pitching your game. Like, so uh, like video games are basically like little startups, you know, like we're going to give us money. We're going to go away for two years, try to make something that makes money. Um, uh, and this guy's used to work at Sony, but he's trying, he's basically like, here's like everything I've learned. Like here's 30 things. I just never want to see again when I'm, when, when you're pitching like your games. And I thought it was really kind of applicable to maybe web and product. But the the one thing he just started out, and this is maybe the whole thing about the whole thing, he was he started out and, and he's like, show me your idea or like have a good idea and then show me that you have a team capable of executing anything or that idea. And I thought that was really cool. Like, anyway, I, we're kind of way out here now from where we started. But, um, but, but I thought that was really cool because it's just like, you know, any product or service or website, your app or whatever you build, it's like, not only do you just need a, a decent idea, but you also need the team. And and if you don't have that, it's probably not worth doing, you know? Yes. I thought that was cool. So anyway, but, but back to what we were talking about before, just like 30, he's just 30 things of like things he never wants to see again. Like, don't tell me the cool, amazing backstory of your weird fantasy realm i don't care <laughs> so just get to the point so anyway i can't tell you how many articles i've read in the last is it uh, it's like this thing where if you write like a, a, an article for anything and you like interview somebody and it's a little bit long form of an article that you read that anybody that you talk to you like describe their hair and like the smell of the coffee shop you met in and stuff and i just I, it's like my pet peeve on earth i'm like i just absolutely don't care dave rupert would pay big bucks for New York Times, but with bulleted lists. <laughs> like, like, or any news, whatever, any news service where it's not like, because you happen to a New York Times article, it's like, you know, I don't know, something's happening in, you know, Syria. And you're like, okay, cool. And it's like, Syria is a small country. And, you know, <laughs> like, like, West the skim of Iraq. Is pretty and, good at that. And, you read the skim? Oh, no, but I would, I'm very curious. But I just, like, I just want, like, a bulleted list of why I might care or the facts I need to know. And then give me the, the long form, ultra descriptive version of, of the article. I, it sounds terrible, but I just feel like it's a modernization of news. Like, like, my attention is so saturated and so overflowed. Like if you, if you want me to use your product, you got to give me the TLDR. Like I just like, that's, that's the world we're living in. So I don't know. I get, I feel you. And I'm not saying like, like technical stuff like code pen or whatever probably does need like a, or like 
probably you need to be a little bit more long format. I think we have pretty established, like, tell me the problem, tell me what you tried and tell me the solution. You know, I think that's like the best format, you know, um, but sometimes news, I'll, um, I'll even edit it. Like I'll go back and like I Google something and if I find my own site, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. But the solution is way down at the bottom of it. And sometimes we'll go back into the article and just like move the solution to the top, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is really? probably just bad for my, uh, you know, time, time on site and stuff. But I'm like, dude, I- <laughs> I looked at my stats recently. I have a ninety-one percent bounce rate, and I was like, "Well, that's okay." I don't even like, know what's going on. I don't even. Well, it's like no one's going to actually like. I don't expect people to click more articles, but maybe I could try to move that needle a bit. But like, what I don't does sell it. Really anything, matter so. what? What? What is? Yeah. What is a bounce rate? Who cares? Like, if you if your goal in life is just to improve your bounce rate, that's not good enough. That's not a good goal because it doesn't yeah. mean anything. I think it means something if you're a five-step flow, like. You know, you have step one, step two, or let's say three. And then all of a sudden on step two, your bounce rate is very high. You know, step one is very low. Step two all becomes very high. Well, now you have a, now you're talking about real things. Yeah. But for like a a news blog or something like that, I don't know that like, I don't think it matters. I don't know. That's my, my opinion. Time on site, I guess matters, but that was also very poor on my site, but. Uh, anyway, 41 seconds or something. And it's like, wow, you almost powered through the articles. <laughs> so. Even that one is like, it's just a number. So like, I, I just, I question a business goal. That's like, see this number that we're tracking, that number should go up. And then there's no why attached to it. Yeah. Hey, Chris, I got a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, on my site, Dave Uh, I'll send you a link. There's a post called like uh, four documentaries about game dev. I posted uh, about documentaries about game dev. Squeeze the browser really small, or or turn on Chrome's little device emulator and set it to like iPhone four or five or whatever. Yeah, okay, I'm doing. And it. you see how the word documentaries on my title overflows. That's too too and long breaks of the a container. word. Too long of a word because it's like ten letters. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Sometimes eight, with bugs nine, like ten, this, what 12, I choose 12, to do is nothing. thirteen. Really? <laughs> well, yeah. It's like, how do you fix it? And I think the answer is hyphens, but then hyphens don't work anywhere. That's not a thing. Well, they do. They do. Yeah. Like it's how do what? I'm gonna look. I don't. It's too, well, it's, this show is basically live googling anyway, isn't it? Yeah. Is yeah. it word break? Word well, word break, break is all. good, but oh, it doesn't. No, there's no hyphen then, right? Well, yeah, no hyphen, and it it'll break any word it it thinks doesn't fit. You know, it's like I I want like word break break long words, well, but, with a hyphen, and also only apply it to your t- your title, like mm-hmm. for, because you know just it's a little dangerous in body copy maybe. Oh yeah, you're right. It will break anything. Because I, I just did it right now, and it broke documentaries just fine. But then it broke the word about to A-B-O-U-T, <laughs> like on the next line, you know, which is no good. So word but, break. But when you go to Can I Use and you look for CSS hyphenation, like, it's all, like, green. It's like, yeah, dude. We, so CSS word break, break is, word is better than break all. So break word does will fix documentaries but didn't screw up about. So that's at least a start. All right. I, I just, anyway, I just like that, like long word in a title thing is a, 
bit of a bummer when when it comes to mobile because like do i just change my whole do i base my type system on a 13 character you know title or like do i need like smaller it's just driving me nuts so i want to i want to discuss this more because it's good I have. I I, like I, I don't. And I, I look for like examples of like hyphenations, and I like don't know when, or I, I've not seen a successful implementation of like responsive hyphenation or something. So that's like I just don't. I'm not sure how it all works. So um, hyphens manual I think works because there is a hyphens property in CSS, and it's auto manual. Auto. There you go. So. My guess is your best work is word break, break word, and hyphens auto. Those are the two. Oh, really? I need the double combo. Send you a screenshot that nobody on this podcast can see, but it looks okay. I'm getting it's. I've also tested Chrome here, so I'm committing the cardinal sin of testing one thing only. Okay. Well, I got, I got. Okay, (laughs) we should for radio's sake maybe we're there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, that worked. Um, and then that you said that was word break, break all, hyphens auto? Yeah. All right. I'm going to hold on. I have to add in MS hyphens auto for edge because this yeah. is great radio. Yeah. MS hyphens auto. Just auto. You don't auto prefix her because you hate tools. Right? Well, I'm just inside a, <laughs> inside a, oh. a thing. Okay. Mine ended up a little bit different. So Chris is, is for document dash Terry's about game dev, which is great. Except oh, that looks awful. mine is mine is for documenta <laughs> next line reads about ga. So line, the problem, yeah, you have both problems here. You didn't get the hyphen, which sucks. And you got the break all behavior for break word, which you don't want. So it's yeah. In edge is no good. I guess you're yeah, screwed. I, uh, you can't fix it, CSS. You're just gonna have jerks. to. Well, the real, the, what the des- oh, what a designer would do is just be like, oh, I think my, I think all my titles on mobile are a little big. Just squeeze them down a little bitsky. A little bitsky. Uh, I don't want to do a little bitsky. I want big old fat boy titles. I don't want little bitsky titles. Oh, this is ridiculous. Have you considered JavaScript? <laughs> yeah, I probably do need to write a freaking another jQuery plugin or something to make this just to make a title fit in a web page. Or you could, uh, no, I don't know, rig trying to think. Anyway, an SVG but, help in some way here? Not really. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Anyway, hey Chris, yeah, welcome to Shop Talk Show. We got oh, questions thanks. today. Yeah. Oh, we haven't even done one yet, have we? Hey, if you're just tuning in, we're getting into our first question. <laughs> you got. Okay, thanks. Uh, Lucas we Herman. We did a lot of live, live mouth coding here in the shop deck. So. Hold on, Chris, Chris. Yeah. Chris. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Chris. Christmas tree. I want to do something. Don't know the chords. All right, next question. <laughs> Hi, Dave and Chris. Thank you very much for your great podcast. Now, I have a question. You were talking the other day about the so to say, good old days where we would um, work on the production side through FTP. And it were the innocent days of web design, maybe, um, but it was easier. Nowadays, um, building a website is much more complex. And many times you have several people uh, working on one website and you want to use tools like version, version control 
and um, you want to use testing environments and you want to automate the whole process of deploying your website, getting it from your computer all the way to the production site. And I myself have built a little uh, PHP contraption that pulls uh, code from GitHub and uh, does the build process and deploys the website on the server. But it all seems very complex and, and complicated still to me. And I would like to ask you, is this, you have experience with this, I'm sure. Is it a solved problem to you? Do you still struggle with it? And what is your own personal experience with a deploy, the deploy process and how to get it done well, that it doesn't feel like herding cats? And I'm really appreciating your thoughts on this topic. Okay, how do you uh, deployment, Chris? You got a few websites uh, you deploy, huh? Yeah, we've talked about this a bunch, so I don't want to like. I don't think we need to have the comprehensive um, deployment episode right here. Although that would be maybe a fun topic uh, in the future. I, I, we've talked about it in the past. There's 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 different ways. There's just like going commando, which we've talked about, which is. Um, <laughs> You're editing files on the live server, so there really is no deployment because you're just editing them right there, which we've, of course, lampooned, I hope, or speared or shot down, or that's not a great way to work. There's even an upgrade from that, which is you're working locally, but then once you get it right locally, you just FTP everything up. Also, almost equally bad because there's just no way to, you know, there's problems that can happen there too. You don't know a change. There could be a problem with the upload process, yada, yada, yada. But that's a version of deployment. Most version control um, or, or most deployment has something to do with version control, right? Like you have a, a repo with all your files, and that's that doesn't solve deployment. That just solves the version control component. But most good deployment is based off of the files that are in version control. Like you push to your repo first, and then and then deployment happens after that. So assuming you're using some kind of version control, there's lots of deployment that are based off of that. Like there's um, if you're using GitHub, maybe you're using some service that uses GitHub hooks and can tell when you push to it and then grabs the files off GitHub and pushes to it. There's lots of services that do that type of thing. I'm thinking of like FTP Ploy and DeployBot and Beanstalk and mm-hmm. those type of things. Um, and then there's like, there's like, certainly you can hand roll this type of stuff. There's, I don't know, Dave uses rsync a lot, don't you? And there's Capistrano and yeah, I, I like rsync uh, for static sites. Um, uh, so I compile my Jekyll locally, and then I. And I what do you little, give rsync your FTP creds? Yeah, or I have a I have a or SSH. Yeah, or SSH. Sure. But I I have um a rake task that's basically Jekyll build and then rsync um the site folder contents up to this you know domain and use an rsync is like cool i use ssh it'll prompt me for my password and then it happens all automatically it's you know we we make fun of ftp but it's basically ftp except there's like a smart unix utility happening here where it's like it'll diff each file um as it uploads so it only uploads like the delta files like the changed files so which is which that's interesting because that means it's not using the version control system to determine am, that it's using its own system. Yeah, I'm not using version control, and this is, um, but I, I do use version control, but but I have to do that. That's a separate process, which I kind of actually don't like, and maybe I do need to like, yeah, it should like be, you know, force it to 
like you have un- like bail out if I have unstage commits, you know, um, because what's happening right now, I, I do most of my work on my desktop, you know, like work, work, graphics or whatever. Um, but then I, I blog a lot on my my laptop, like in, you know, while the kids are watching a show or something like that. So uh, I work on the laptop and then I'll like I can de- deploy from the laptop, uh, which is great, but it doesn't, you know, ideally you're not like like uh, they get out of sync sometimes like i'll have drafts on one and you know changes and edits and i'll have to kind of like oh i have to run out to my office and like sync this thing and that's like not what version control is for but i i can't risk like like oops i like made a new deployment to fix a bug from my laptop but my desktop you know then i made another deployment and my desktop didn't have the latest post so it's a little bit of work to manage and make sure everything's up to date so it, but I use that. I use Heroku a lot. I think, uh, yeah, and Heroku has their own, and they're Git based, and they have Git their based. own system for deployment, which is like a command: Git push Heroku master or whatever. Yeah. Yep, Git push Heroku master. But they also have a thing, a integration with GitHub. So you push to master, and then master pings Heroku, says, "Hey, get these new," or like GitHub will ping Heroku and say, "Hey, uh, here's a post commit hook." Like, and then Heroku's like, give me them files, and then it'll try the whole build process, and then it'll deploy it. So, mm-hmm. um, Heroku's pretty great for that. I, I just, I like easy over anything customizable. That's, that's just me. So, uh, some and guys Heroku certainly with. makes it easy, but then that you're, you're not exactly locked to Heroku, but they have their own kind of way yeah. to do it. But there's, I mean, think there's Netlify too. Netlify has its own kind of system of, yeah, push your stuff to Netlify. And every time you do it, we'll spin up a little server of that commit. And it's really, it's really pretty cool. Uh, WP Engine has their own kind of like WordPress specific thing. That's the same kind of thing you push to it and it makes staging servers for you from your branches and all that stuff. Very, everybody wants in on this game because I, I think the, the, the money game works for them like if you if somebody gets you locked into keeping your code and dealing with deployment on their service they have you as a long time customer and so i mm-hmm. think there's there's like incentive to get you deploying through um, their stuff and i the best i think the, the most standard way is you push something and it generally either just goes to you have to ask for it to go to development like Usually there's dev servers. I think that like if we're speaking generically about the whole industry, the most common way to deploy is most pushes to version most deployment is version control based. And when you push to that version control, things happen on staging primarily. And then mm-hmm. and then you specifically ask for things to go to production. Yeah. 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 You you kind of like want a staging or a, like a CI of some kind to then do that. And um Heroku has those flows. I like that. Um yeah. You can I, I actually deploy I have I do staging for uh, my site too, just just because I'm like, what if sure. this deployment doesn't go as I plan, you know? So depends how commando I'm feeling. So and it's like it's not just <laughs> staging. Sometimes staging can feel like a, a annoying kind of middleman thing, but like it's not always, you know, staging can often be like a version of your database too that 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 can get hammered by a backup service because it doesn't it does not affecting production because it's just on staging. Testing is the probably the most common thing that happens on staging. Not just like go look at the website and make sure it's there, although that's useful too. It's like run my testing services against staging. And staging is yep. usually a, a really 
a fully replicated version of it's not your local computer. It's the same thing mm-hmm. as the production servers. All yeah, right, we I'm beat that to death yeah. probably. All right. Um, oh, hold on. Christmas time is here. That's it. What are you going to get for Christmas? Day? Do you have any wishes um, from Santa Claus? I want the Asus Republic of Gaming PG35VQ, which is a 200 megahertz uh, display, gaming ultra wide gaming display. But um, uh, it's not out yet. It like was announced last year at like CES, and it's still not out. So I don't think it's going to happen. A new display. So. A new display. Uh, yeah. I may get an Apple Watch, Chris. You like Apple? Watch? Ah, that's on my list. That's my number one thing. Is that I've never, I've never had one. Now it's like for whatever version, version four or something. It seems about about time, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I've went through like uh, like four Fitbits, and I really love Fitbit. I like the brand. I like indie Fitbit. Uh, I like going indie for that. Uh, but I just, I just, my last Fitbit like quit pairing with my phone, and I just, it, which is. Not to say it's still a great brand in in whatever, but I just kind of was like, I think I'm done. So, I uh, kind of looking for another one. I you know uh, work with people with Apple Watches and they like them, and that's I think uh, you know it seems pretty good uh, fitness tracker stuff. And I do think I'm I might kill notifications. I don't know. Um, and they have that new like like cell thing, like you can make calls from your phone i guess or something yeah that seems kind of appealing that you can like go out of the house potentially for a walk and not bring your phone because you yeah and and my wife was like do you want that and i think she's subtly hitting hinting like you spend too much time on devices and that's fair to her um so so yeah maybe it'd be nice to not have to deal with that and you know, and, and you know, like the, Apple the number one thing anecdotally is- that I hear from people is that what is the number one thing you use it for? Number one is to tell the time, which I already wear a watch, but I can get, I can see that. And number two is not having to pull the phone out just because it buzzed because you can just look at your wrist. Yeah, I, I do the, the like notification thing is interesting. Uh, but you know, I've also seen that backfire. Like you'll be talking to somebody and then they'll just like, they're like pull up their arm and like, like start poking their watch for a little bit because they just got like six Slack messages and then they like come back and they're like, Oh, sorry, I just got Slack messages and, and that's okay. But it's just kind of like, like, well, it's not, you're still checking Slack, you, you know, like, like you're, you're trying to get caught up on this notification. I like want no notifications as I want notification less. No um, notification. No. Oh dude. Okay. That's a, art direction you put no in all caps you know and then like notifications <laughs> <laughs> but good luck hyphenating that 13 character word god all right uh, hopefully we solved this uh chris you think uh we okay. solved this oh, yeah. okay it's christmas time in hollis queens <laughs> <laughs> you were ready for that weren't no you? <laughs> I wish I had more of that rhyme, uh, but that's all I got. Okay, this is another. Thanks. It's just related to deployment, also, and I, I, it's interesting. And it's Ben Byford, and he writes in. Um, I you know my workflow is manually editing files via FTP on a dev server, and then if it works, and I just duplicate it out to the live version. 
<laughs> which is, you know, I know we crap on this a lot, but it's an interesting take on the ideas that he's going commando here, but going commando on the dev server. So it's less risky a little bit, mm-hmm. which All seems right. okay. But I'll tell you, day to day, I use Git. Like, I don't just use Git just to use Git. Like, there, there's a whole bunch of benefits to it. Like, all the time, I'm like, oh, why is this busted? Oh, here's this file. I need to, like, look at the history of this file to see what's going on here. Like, oh, something changed that it shouldn't have. Like, who did it? When did it happen? All that type of stuff that I get from Git is incredibly valuable. Like, I need to look at the history of this file I use all the time. And that's growing up these days. Rachel Smith was showing me this plugin that she uses for VS Code that she finds tremendously useful as, like, you have VS Code open and you're on a line of code and it just subtly at the bottom of the file tells you when that line of code last changed and who changed it. Yep, get blame. It just it says like Chris did this. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't that wild? Yes. Like, that 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 like ah, uh, I mean, you're just kind of like you don't get that cowboy coding. No, no. But if There's, it's just you, I get it. I know the world's a big yeah, yeah. Like, but man, it, there are like super advantages um, for it. And for me, it's also nothing is lost. You know, that's like the thing too is like, if my computer falls in the toilet, it's like, we're fine. You know, like the code somewhere. You know, like I didn't. It's happened to me over the years so many times. Like, the computer just dies and I'm like, Oh man, this is going to take me all afternoon. I got to go to the Apple store and then get it on the Wi-Fi as soon as I can to start sucking down all my Dropbox and all that stuff. But it literally is less than a day, and I'm back up to just a perfectly fine machine. Yeah. So like I so I built out. I was building out this <laughs> two years ago. I was building out this uh, big feature for day trip, and I'm just going to go see and see if it's in. Uh, it, yep, I have a branch in uh, the day trip repo, and it's there, and I need to see. Yep, there you go. I basically have the feature. So, like, this is a com- you know feature I made on a old, old, old computer. Probably started on like Mac, you know, back in the day. So, like, and here it is on GitHub. I have it. I just need to like pull it and work on it. So, like, that's cool. You know, like you don't. You, things can hang out the, in the Git world. They can hang out in branches for years and and still be relevant. So there you go. Um, mm. Hopefully that helps. Ben also said he has a podcast about machine ethics, machine-ethics.net. So we're plugging another podcast. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Rock and roll. Good luck, Ben. Um. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell, ride. Jingle bell, swing it, jingle bell. I don't know the chords of that one. That's a running theme here. <laughs> Brian Reich writes in. Uh, so I finally saw the light and started taking JavaScript seriously. Thanks to TypeScript, JavaScript no longer feels like a vestigial organ left over from some Netscape 2. <laughs> and it's actually enjoyable to write. That's funny. Uh, one thing I haven't found uh, is a great solution to uh, JavaScript logging. Uh, in PHP, I'd use monolog. In JavaScript, I can have console.log. Uh, question mark. The problem isn't capturing log data. I know how to use try, catch, and catch on failed promises. The problem is letting the team know when and where and how the front end is flaking out. 
Of course, I know roll bar is a good solution to this problem, but what I've run into in the past is when using roll bar on the back end is that software generates a ton of log data, and not as much as exceptions, but a lot of info level messages that any errors that occur uh, are like need a little more context. It, this has made uh, our roll bar subscription prohibitively expensive. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, I can roll my own JS solution too, but I thought I'd ask the experts if there's a solution uh, that I missed in my 13 minutes of research. Okay. Ryan likes JavaScript now, thanks to TypeScript. Cool. Uh, wants to know about JavaScript errors that his application is throwing. In PHP, finds this not so hard. In JavaScript, finds this harder. Uh, wants to use the service to track it potentially. Rollbar, previous sponsor of the show, is a very popular way to do that. Um, but it's throwing too many errors, which is interesting. I wonder if there's a way to crank that down or something. Um, like only track exceptions or throws and rather than we do it at CodePen like, in some way. And I don't know how, how we crank it, but I know that we track our JavaScript errors this way. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in the same way, like we track our, it's the same service tracking JavaScript and rails and, and stuff. Hmm. So we can see. Yeah. I don't, um, I know, I don't know. Um, uh, so Rollbar. uh, Friends of the show uh, obviously use them. No, but um, Century IO, I heard a good talk from somebody from Century um, talk. Uh, he's talking about source maps um, and, and just that, you know, they, and I think Rollbar does it too, but you're able to like, they, they, he was doing a whole talk about why source maps exist and how they exist kind of in this fluid spec state, you know, um, is Ben Vinegar, I think is, is who it is. Um, but, uh, Sentry is able to like, I think, filter out what that noise, and then um, just like Rollbar, I think can. Um, but then, um, like, they'll even like give you the line in your source map where the problem started, not just the line in your. Yeah, this type of tooling is grow- growing up for sure. I think it's it's you know it's equally important on either side. I mean, depends on how your app is 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 constructed. But yeah, you need to know when your app throws a very bad error, so you can see mm-hmm. and have a little stack trace that that shows you what it was. You know, yeah. Sometimes they're well, just and- totally mysterious ones that so you're like, I don't know what happened. Something bad happened, I guess. And sometimes you're like, Oh, I know exactly what that is. That's bad news. Yeah, so I, I'm seeing Sentry bills on like events per month. You know, like one million events, one hundred thousand. Like that's like your your pricing tier. You know, um, I, I mean, I think I think like that's you'll have to like factor in your traffic in what you need to basically throw errors on like client side. So that that's it's tough, but like you can't. You're gonna have to maybe make a decision, like, like on on what what you need to track, you know, basically on the client side. So what you need to report, cost benefit analysis. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say keep keep plugging at the roll bar way there and see if there's a way you can scope down exactly oh, what you're tracking. And you'll you know what? Right. Too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is weird. So just about Sentry. I think it's open source and I think you can do in, in the century service is really just 
like your own thing like do you want to like like uh, the like sentry like you can download this and manage it yourself so you don't have to like code your own thing um but you know then you're now you have two problems you have a, an, a another server you're managing that could also throw exceptions so careful there i guess Hopefully that helps. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you by One Month. You know them, you know, O-N-E-M-O-N-T-H, One Month, all spelled out, slash Shop Talk Show. They're online coding courses. That's the URL you want to go to because it's, you're going to save some money going that way. You're going to save 25% off a one-month subscription, which is great. They're online coding courses for all kinds of web-related technology. The stuff that we talk about here on Shop Talk Show, it's time for you to level up in it. Or even better, level up somebody else with the holidays coming up. One-month courses make wonderful presents. I think that would be a fantastic presents. Any one-month course can be gifted to anyone, a friend, an employee, a loved one. All, you know, one month online coding courses, the, 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 the best of, you know, you can learn Python, HTML, SQL, JavaScript, WordPress. You know that 28% of the entire web these days is WordPress websites. Pretty good target to get into more than one in four websites. Last month, just last month, one month launched their one month WordPress course. So you'll learn how to build a theme from scratch with Chris Castig, the teacher, gives you uh, an HTML and CSS theme. It's a simple cat blog, you know, navigation columns, some sample blog posts, nothing to get scared about there. It's just a straightforward kind of project. And then over the course of four hours, you'll learn how to create a WordPress theme from that static theme into a, you know, a, what we call it a dynamic theme that runs on WordPress that will allow somebody to continue their cat blog. You'll learn how to, you know, use the loop and deal with navigation menus and widgets and WordPress plugins. And you'll do this all from scratch so that at the end of this, you're basically a WordPress developer, which is fantastic. You'll learn from Chris, who's been developing sites for over 10 years. He's built dozens of big WordPress sites for clients like Bacardi and the Black Eyed Peas and General Assembly and all kinds of stuff. Uh, not to mention he's a professor at Columbia University where he teaches a course on digital literacy. So this is the guy you probably want to learn from. 29 bucks a month for all the courses on one month uh, and you and get 25% off that when you go to one month.com slash shop talk. Thanks so much for the sponsorship. Buy them as a present for somebody for the holidays. Lovely gift. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> good good job, 10-year-old Dave, learning how to play guitar. It's really paid off for you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Andy Hinkle writes in, uh, hello, I've been given the task of creating a small web development team. Awesome. Uh, I'm the only developer under this company, and we're growing into a team-based environment. Is it standard to have coding best practices established in the company? company for example var lunch equals new array lunch lunch bracket zero equals dosa lunch bracket one equals roti lunch bracket two equals rice lunch bracket three equals what the heck is this versus var lunch equals uh bracket dosa roti rice what the heck is this um also other things uh such as what to comment on and not comment on. I'm working on documenting, uh, document outlining what I think are the best practices and easy to read. Uh, and it follows the same steps as, as, pers- 
as I have previously created, I'm worried the developers might think our company is too nitpicky about code style. What are your thoughts here, Chris? Do y'all have a code style enforcement doc? Uh, yes, we do. And yeah, I don't know. Like the code reviews catch it more often and other people just like hopping into that file and talking about it and stuff rather than like, like this is, you know, Andy's example here of like how an array is defined. I'm not sure that we're that fine grained of like, I don't know, like, oh, this needs to be fixed. You know, like I, I look at both of those and I'm like, I don't know. It's just not something I would go refactor just, just because, but you know, if somebody makes a new JavaScript file, there's a standard way we kind of format those so that there's, you know, and unfortunately we're kind of in between methods and that's, I don't know, this type, there's different types of this type of thing. You know what I mean? Like there's prettier and prettier fixes the formatting of lots of things and fixes the quotes and the semicolon usage and indentation and I love that kind of thing. And we have linting in place and we've made a bunch of linting rules so your files have to pass the linting rules. That stuff goes a long way. And I think that's wonderful that we kind of get all that stuff for free just because we have it set up and standardized across everybody that touches all these files. But it wouldn't have caught Andy's example here because both of these things are are valid, like how you define an array, even though they're, they look different, they both do the exact same kind of thing. I don't know that we care that deeply just seems yeah who cares you know <laughs> yeah i think um I, th- I think i think you should definitely like establish coding style i mean because what's the alternative is just you get mad every time you open a file like just because somebody <laughs> just went did their own thing i think you know i think you want to minimize that a little bit I, I think that's just i think that's smart i I mean, it's your company, man, <laughs> your team. So set the rules. Uh, is that terrible? And, and then like, but be open to like, if somebody's like, I think we need two spaces for tabs or whatever, like say like, sure. Okay. Or like, tell me why or whatever, but, or, or we can open it up for a vote or something like that. Be flexible. But I think setting like a, like a standard or a style guide is really uh, important and cool. Um, Brad Frost has a document. Brad Frost, I'm live Googling here on the Shop Talk Show, front end guidelines. Um, it's on GitHub, I think. Um, front end guideline questions. Um, front, end gui- front end guidelines questionnaire on GitHub. And it's basically like, like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, media, fonts, performance, accessibility, tooling, version control, support and, optimization, support and optimization. Uh, localization, deployment, integration, documentation. It's basically like, like, like basically a, a questionnaire on how you're managing your front end. So whenever somebody comes in and asks, like, how do we do? Um, what's our uh, CSS methodology? You're like, oh, we use BIM here. We outlined it here. So um, that I think that stuff like this can help um it's probably a few days worth of work to like write it all out but i think it can definitely help you so i think so yeah kind of fun too uh yeah i mean you just like it's like a state of the union like what do we think about this or how do we feel like this should go you know that's exactly right i think that's i think that's good but again be flexible like like 
you're not always right. I, that's you know. So be flexible. Find tools that automate it for you. You know, there's a lot of tools that will do the whole entire enforcement, but we found prettier kind of basically solves most of our issues. Like you're saying, I, I, I think like it, it's, I made everyone install prettier on their code editor and I basically solved all my like gripes about my JavaScript system. You know, it adds semicolons. Et cetera, yeah. Et cetera. You know, there's, well, there's style lint too, but that's mostly CSS. I think the story is prettier is great. And it's got a, like came out of nowhere and now it already has like a stronghold on the industry kind of thing. But I think I like the idea more of like the JS hint slash style lint world and you set up all these rules that are specific to your project and have them not only lint but auto fix whatever it can. And there's some things that it can auto fix and some that it can't. You know, like quotes are easy to fix, semicolons are easy to fix, that kind of thing. But there's some things that are just like, oh, this is you know, this is throwing an error, but I'm not going to programmatically just change it for you because I I can't. That's it's, mm-hmm. it's more. But anything that it can, I think, is ideal. And I think having one tool that both lints and fixes what it can is ideal. Yeah, I think it's all about predictability when you open a file. Like, is this file going to be similar to the previous file I opened? Yes or no? Like. And and that's like, you know, how you do things. Like, do you always do array.prototype.foreach.call or whatever? Like, like whatever you're doing, make sure it's predictable so that people don't, like, get overburdened, like, trying to basically translate in their head on the fly what this previous developer from times ago was trying to say. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's Christmas Eve, babe, in the drunk tank. And all that said to me, what's that's the pugs? They're gonna see me. So <laughs> let's do a fun one. This Magnus Scare one is pretty fun. Oh yeah, it, do you got something? Hit it. Uh, he just asked, "What's your favorite part of projects?" Which I think is oh. fun. Like I'd like to hear your answers based on a typical client project. As compared to like a longer term project like CodePen or whatever, um, I like that idea though. Of any of any project you work on, you know, there's, you know, there, maybe there's different phases. You know, discovery and sketching and development and front end versus back end and QA, I guess. And you know, there's all kinds yeah. of like what's like if like if you had to name a part of like a specific thing that you really like about. Working on stuff. I mean, you have a book coming out. <laughs> yeah, I have a book coming out. <laughs> is it, on is the it prototyping? prototyping? Is that your favorite phase? I, I think it is. I think the like new idea prototyping generation phase is fun, and and I know it, that's probably everyone's favorite part because it's the fun part, you know. Um, and, and I, but and I say this, I've realized I'm not that great at maintenance. You can see that in some of my open source projects, uh, but um, like. But I could also see myself like really enjoying sinking into like a maintenance role. Like I'm, I'm going to take this existing code base and just make it work really well. You know, I I could see myself doing that, but I I think just in my personality, the like idea generation, like experiment with new tech, see all that stuff is kind of the fun part. Um, You know, implementing designs and, and ideas is fun. So um, yeah, I, I like the more the beginning kickoff than the long term stretch. I, 
really that last 20% we're all kind of that takes 80% of the time. I think we're all familiar with that. That's, that's pretty grueling for me. So, uh, but, but you know, I, I do it. I'm not saying I shirk that, but, but it is, it's like, I feel the life force getting sucked out when something drags on, you know? So how about you, Chris? You're, you're more of a, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> redesign my blog on a weekend. Oh uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I enjoy that kind of thing. I, I do like the, like the long term kind of like, Oh, you know, it would be awesome. Like if I have a moment like that, maybe, maybe we can call it a Eureka moment or something where you're like, Oh, this would be so cool. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it right now. That, that's really? the fun part to me. And it could be anything. It could be like a tweak to an existing feature or a new feature or a, like a, just anything that, that, that the end result of it is a, it's really fun feeling. Like the, the quick gain kind of thing. Sure. Is yeah. That kinda- Even if it's, yeah. And I guess you're right that quick is a, is sometimes a part of it. Cause if it's like, oh, you know what we should build, uh, you know, an entire electron app for CodePen. Like that's exciting to yeah. me, but like not le- less like like I'd be the moment of that that I would be excited about is the moment where we had a meeting and we agreed that we're actually going to do it for real, and we leave the yeah. meeting and everybody's excited about actually doing it. That would be exciting to me. Like okay, we're actually going to do it. Uh, yeah. But it, I can't. You know, it's that's such a long term thing that it's not as exciting as like a little tiny like oh this would be so much this would make this website so much faster oh we identified some little thing we can do to make it better or you know what oh I find a great design pattern that's going to make this more clear or mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. this is a design thing a little animation that would be so cool and I like that type of thing I can make this thing better because I just had a eureka moment. No, that's that's fun. That's a yeah, the the shower thoughts phase of the project. Yeah, and you could call that <laughs> yeah. prototyping in your brain. Yeah, yeah, it's just this like like you you, you like unlock a part, uh, you unlock a gain. I like that. I like that. That's like never on the project map, you know, like <laughs> like 6 months after you launch the product, you're going to feel how you're going to figure out how to make some one little thing a lot better. So, I think that's a good little phase so yeah uh anyway well, do you have a, do you have another one to, and we'll call it a wrap or do you, yeah we can do uh is this one uh question or another phase or another question uh either way an, all right uh we'll do one more question does this sound good sure. hey guys long time listener first time asker uh i or you meant a song did you mean a song chris <laughs> yes i did Okay, here we're not doing a, another question because we people gotta go. It's Christmas time; people gotta go or holiday time, wherever you're celebrating. Um, what's what's this one? This one is uh, this one is um, on the first day of Christmas. My true love gave to me a code pen pro subscription. <laughs> yes, please. There you go. Hey. <laughs> Thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcatcher of choice. Uh, be sure to star heart favorite it up. That's how people find out about the show. Uh, if you want to uh, get tens of tweets a month, head over to Shop Talk Show or twitter.com slash shop talk show. Uh, we are on there. Um, and if you hate your job, head over to shop talk show.com slash jobs. Get a brand new one. New year, new job. Why not? And uh, thank you for listening. We're heading into season six or seven. I lost count, to be honest, but we're heading up to marching towards episode 300, which is pretty exciting. 
And, um, yeah, yeah, Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Hope everyone has a happy holiday. I do, too. Thanks so much for, for listening to our show over all the years, or if you're a new listener forever, how long you've been listening. It's just it's yeah. really fun for me and Dave really? to talk and stuff. And Thanks for coming along the ride, uh, and we'll we'll have guests back on the show eventually. Yeah, well, I got plenty of ideas, actually. It's, it's not a yeah. shortage of ideas. It's just a planning thing, and the you know we're 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 dual dads now. It's tough. Oh yeah, planning is tough. So, but we got yeah, we got a list of fun shows we want want to do so uh, with people. So we're gonna try to get that um, happening. So uh, yeah, thank y'all so much for listening, Chris. You got anything else? <gasps> ShopTalkShow.com